drums of war, a melody all too familiar reverberating across the lands between. From the founding of the Golden Order to the Shattering, power and influence have been bought with blood and steel. The sword monuments erected near the sites of past battles give us a glimpse into what defined each of these wars. Conflicts that would shape the very future of the lands between and its inhabitants. The war against the giants. As previously stated, the Erdtree became the embodiment of order through their victories in war. And the war against the giants was America and the Greater Will's chance to take out the biggest threat to the Erdtree and establish themselves as the undisputed rulers of the lands between, marking the beginning of the era of the Erdtree. So while we can't cover every war waged by the Greater Will, we can go over the most important. At this time, the King Consort and Elden Lord Godfrey was the Lord of the Battlefield, and lead the Golden Order in the war against the Giants. I think the biggest reason for the Order's invasion of the Giants' mountaintop was their flame, the Flame of Ruin, which was capable of burning the Earth Tree. That and the Giants considering themselves the mortal enemies of the Earth Tree. So if you're looking to establish a dynasty kingdom, legacy, or anything in between, you'll likely want to conquer the one thing that poses a threat to your rule. And that is exactly what Godfrey and his army set out to do. Both sides would receive help from an outside force. The fire giants borrowed the power of a fell god in order to aid them in battle and Godfrey and his armies would receive the help of the trolls, who, though not as large as the giants they descend from, would still be impactful in the war to come. Eventually, Lord Godfrey and the Golden Order would be victorious over the fire giants, but soon after, it would be realized that the ruinous flames of the giants would never die out. And so it was sealed and appointed guardians to keep watch over it. Queen Merica would also mark a single surviving fire giant with a curse. O oh, trifling giant, mayest thou tend thy flame for eternity. The Routing of the Ancient Dragons not much is known about the ancient dragon's assault on the royal capital, Leyendel, including the why. The great ancient dragon, Gransax, did rain calamity down upon the capital city, an event marking the only time in historical record that Leyendel's walls have fallen. But this also marked the beginning of the war against the dragons. Gransax would ultimately be defeated, his body still laid across the capital to this day for all to see. The forces of Leyendel fought hard to rout the ancient beasts from their city, 
and Grand Sax's attack even prompted an epiphany for some of the Erdtree Sentinels. That the only way to truly protect the Erdtree was to become dragons themselves. So dragons they attempted to become. But the shining hero of this story was Godwin the Golden, son of America and Godfrey, and heir to the Golden Lineage. He fought the ancient dragons till their last, the Dread Fortisax, who was called the mightiest boulder stone. Godwin would defeat even this mighty dragon in combat. But instead of striking the killing blow, Godwin chose another route. He would instead befriend his fallen foe, an event that would give rise to the ancient dragon cult within the capital and conclude the routing of the ancient dragons from the royal capital. The First Lyernian War As the Golden Orator continued to expand its influence across the lands between, their sights would be set to Lyernia of the Lakes. Radagon would march the Golden Order into Lyernia for the first time. And it was through the war fought in Lyernia that Radicon joined the ranks of heroes. But since very little is uncovered about the First Lyernian War, I think it's safe to assume that it was this time that the Golden Order would be routed. At least until the coming of the Second Lyernian War. The Siege of Castlehorn the Siege of Castlemorn is certainly much smaller in scale than a fully-fledged war, but it was still apparently important enough to warrant its own sword monument, even though, just like the First Lyernian War, very little is known about it. The monument mentions a lone hero fighting for vengeance, and it's likely the same person mentioned in the Grafted Blade Greatsword which is meant to be a revenger's weapon belonging to a lone surviving champion from a country now vanished. I don't think it's unlikely that this lone surviving champion from a land now vanished could have been a survivor of one of the wars waged by the Golden Order in their conquest for dominance. A sole survivor meant to pay the Golden Order their due vengeance with a sword they forged from the swords of their entire clan of warriors, only to ultimately meet their end at the hands of the Lord of the Battlefield himself, Godfrey. One interesting thing to note, however, is that in the time of Godric the Grafted, Edgar is appointed as the Warden of Castle Morn by Lord Godric, and even refuses to leave his post as the castle was falling around him, to ensure that the treasured Sword of Morn doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Perhaps the importance placed upon the Grafted Blade Greatsword was determined by Godric, as it serves as the inspiration of grafting to achieve power. After all, the Grafted Greatsword's Ash of War, Oath of Vengeance, increases all attributes by five, which is also exactly what Godric's Great Rune does. 
the Second Lyrian War. For the second time, Radagon would march at the head of a great golden host into Lyrnia. And for the second time, victory did not come. However, things would take an unusual turn for events of war. When Radagon would meet Lady Renala, the Carian queen on the field of battle, the two fell in love. Radagon repented his territorial aggressions to the Carian queen, and after bathing in celestial dew at the Church of Vows, he and Renala were wed to one another. Thus the conquest of Lyurnia into the Golden Order was not achieved through bloodshed, but rather through matrimony, as the Order of the Erdtree and the Fate of the Moon were conjoined. I guess sometimes war can have a happy ending. The Star Scourge Conflict Another conflict that isn't an outright war, but still merited its own sword monument, and is honestly too badass to not skim over, is the Star Scourge Conflict. In Radon's youth, he studied the art of gravitational magic, taught to him by his alabaster lord master in the town of Celia. And when the stars themselves threatened Celia, Radon would challenge them alone. In the star scourge conflict, Radon would crush the stars, his conquest over them sealing away the very fate of the stars. The Siege of Caria Manor in time, the Academy of Rhea Lucaria would turn on the Lucarian royal family, which would lead to their soldiers, known as the Cuckoo, sieging Caria Manor. There isn't a clear timeline for when this occurred, but I think it makes the most sense for it to have happened after Renala, the head of the royal family, fell heartbroken when Radagon left her to become the king consort to Queen Merica. It was only then that the Academy realized that Renala was no champion after all. The idea of the Academy sieging the Carian Queen's manor before then just doesn't make a lot of sense. But regardless, the Carians and their knights always had a secret means prepared for the eventuality of the Academy's disloyalty. And even though the Karians were taken off guard by the timing of the Cuckoo's attack, they still had strength enough to repel the onslaught by conjuring an enchanted snare outside of the manor. Thus the grounds outside of Karia Manor are the final resting place for many of the Cuckoo. The Assault on Volcano Manor the Assault on Volcano Manor is what I'd believe to be the first conflict of the Shattering. It's emphasized as a front against Reichert's path of blasphemy, as after taking on the form of a giant serpent, Reichard would begin granting audience to varying heroes, an audience wherein they were welcomed solely by the maw of a great serpent. 
this continued deceit and blasphemy from Rikard would become something that the Erdtree and its cold order could not abide any longer. And so a piece of Leyendel's army was forced to march onto Mount Gelmir in an attempt to put an end to Rikard. I initially assumed that all of the other separate armies within the Shattering would have shared similar concerns and would form an alliance for this cause. But the only soldiers and knights we see on Melgilmir are from Leyendel. And, as we read from the Sword Monument, this would be a violent and bloody, unending war that we see is still being continued by the time the Tarnished arrives. The First Defense of Leyendel As the shattering continued, the royal capital of Leyendel was the crown jewel. If you held the capital, you held the Erdtree. And I guess that's probably what you wanted to do if you were a demigod with a newfound power and a land still in the throes of the shattered Elden Ring and disappearance of Queen Merica. And so Leyendel would be sieged on more than one occasion. The first was partly the doing of the Golden Lineage, more namely Godric. I think this is made apparent by the capture of Godefroy the Grafted, certainly of the same heritage as Godric, who was captured by Dragon Knight Kristoff after the first defense of Leyendel. So when Gotrick and his army were hounded from the capital, they presumably made their return towards Stormvale Castle. But the sword monument mentions an alliance rotting from within during the first defense of Leyendel. Was this alliance perhaps between Godric and the capital city? Being from the golden lineage of Godfrey himself could have allotted him some clout and trust within the capital, and perhaps in a ploy for power, Godric betrayed that trust and was chased from Landau. Or is the word rot from the sword monument a clue as to whom Godric was allied with during the failed attempt at sieging Landau? If it was Melania that Godric allied with, and perhaps betrayed for one reason or another, then that would make sense of the next sword monument. Godric's Defeat to Melania There isn't much information that pertains to the battle between Melania and Godric, and the sword monument pretty much sums it up. If you believe Kenneth Height, Godric lost to Melania in battle after insulting her, only to lick her boots and die like a man. Was the insult what caused the Sovereign Alliance to rot from within? Or maybe the insult came during Melania's march southward that started from the Lyurnian Highway, which would have directed her right past Stormvale Castle, from inside which Godric was hiding from Radon. The Second Defense of Leyendel The Second Defense of Leyendel was just as much a success as its first. 
this particular defense was led by the fell omen Morgoth, who was born of the Golden Lineage and was thus technically the Lord of Leyendel. This is depicted in the opening credits as Morgoth defends Leyendel from Radon and his army. In doing so, Morgoth routed one of the most powerful demigods and their armies from the capital and from the earth tree. Something I think is often overlooked or underestimated about Morgoth. He was the protector of the earth tree, slaughtering countless champions and becoming an absolute horror to anyone who harbored ambitions for the Erd Tree or for lordship. The Battle of Aeonia The Battle of Aeonia, likely the most famous and world-altering battle to take place in the lands between, and certainly so during the Shattering. Melania and Radon, the most powerful of demigods, would clash in a battle to which no victor would emerge. After these two powerhouses fought themselves into a standstill, Melania allowed her scarlet flower to blossom into an explosion of the scarlet rot she was afflicted with. And while the Geneva Convention considers biological warfare a war crime, the only consequences Melania would have to endure were having it drain her of her strength and the rot destroying the land of Caelid and infecting everyone nearby with the scarlet rot, including Radon, who even to this day is cursed to wander the desolate and infested lands of Caelid, waiting for a mighty champion to bring him a final battle. One last taste of war and to bestow upon him an honorable death. <laughs>